The following is a presentation of Bridges Community Church. Our teacher today is Pastor Nate Glaze. For more information on Bridges Community Church, visit us online at www.bridgescc.org. Um, okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a little bit of fun this morning, and uh, we've got a game show today. So um, what I need is, is my announcer up there in the booth. All right, announcer, can you please let us know who our contestants are for this morning? This individual has been sitting in the front row for over 25 years, never missing a Sunday. If he's not sitting in the front row and center, you will find him helping out with the grade school kids. So, ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Ted Saito. Come on down, Ted. Our next contestant is known for her passion and willingness to go wherever God might lead. She's probably on more ministry teams and involved in more small groups than anyone else on campus. Please welcome Martha Keel. All right. You're in trouble now, Ted. And our final contestant has a seminary education practices optometry, and owns a bike shop. She is Bridges' very own Swiss Army Knife, Karen Reardon. Come on down. All right, so I thought this would be a little bit more fun than me just kind of recapping every sermon series we've done in the last uh, year. So the way this works is hand behind the back, just like Ted. Ted can't even stand any other way than this. And... uh, Yeah, you got it. Um, So up on the screens is going to flash. See, I guess you're going to have to kind of turn around. Is going to flash a background. And the background is the background of the sermon series that we went through. So as soon as you know what that sermon series is, you slam the bell. And then I'll hand you the mic or you can just shout it out. Are you ready? Contestants ready. On your mark, get set, go. Oh, come on. There we go, breaking the mold. Okay, so our first, nobody dung in. I can tell this will be the last time we ever do this. All right on. Just so you guys know, this is not rigged. Okay, uh, I know, right? Uh, So the very first sermon series we went through, we called Breaking the Mold. And really, We had three kind of things that this was about. It was about praying for our friends, our friends that don't know Jesus, that that they might come to know Jesus. The second thing is to invite those friends into spiritual community. That doesn't mean just invite people to church, but allow our Christian friends and our non-Christian friends, those groups, to become one so we can have deep relationships with all of our community. And then the last thing was engage in spiritual conversations. So that was breaking the mold. Uh, All right, you guys are warmed up now. You got this? All right, yeah, don't be cheating now. All right, next slide. Here we go. <laughs> this is good. I didn't think this would go well, but I was hoping for a little more than this. Um, for, there we go, Martha Keel. You guys are good. Good news. All right, let's give her a round of applause. 
So, uh, so this sermon series, we took a look at the first four chapters of the book of Romans. And what this was all about is we said, hey, if we are going to have spiritual conversations, what is it that matters most to us? And the beautiful thing about the first four chapters of the book of Romans is Paul just lays it out. He says, this is the good news of the gospel. And to me, I think it's summarized in, in chapter three, where he says, there is no distinction. We are all jacked up, messed up sinners. And none of us can be good enough on our own to achieve salvation. But the fact is that, that Christ died for us so that we can have eternal life. And that is the good news. And that is the message that is so important to us that it is worth us breaking the mold and sharing it. Okay, we're getting better audience. People, help them out here a little bit. All right, next one. I'm going to have to look this one up myself. You got this one, Ted. Ooh. There we go. Man, you are sharp. Conversation with Jesus. All right. There we go. Man. This is the best of the best right here, too. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we need like 30 contestants up here. Um, yeah, so Conversations with Jesus, we did this series. It was really a lot of fun. We took a look at, okay, what were the conversations Jesus had? The Bible records several conversations that Jesus had with people. And, and how did he talk about himself? How did he talk about his message? And that was called Conversations. With Jesus. All right, here we go. Next, next slide here. It's, you got this one, Ted. I know it. Oh, come on. This one's a dead giveaway. Here we go. Something with the fish. Jonah. Jonah. That's it. That was all it was, man. <laughs> so we took a look at the book of Jonah. And um, in the book of Jonah, one of the the things I think that's most important uh, for me in this book is really it gives us a picture into the heart of God, right? The book of Jonah is about this guy who God said, hey, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to tell people about me. And Jonah went, no, I don't want to do that. I don't really care about those people. And through this story, God really showed Jonah a heart for his heart, a heart for all the people of the world. And so that's really why we took a look at the book of Jonah. Uh, we're getting warmed up. This is anybody's game here now. You guys ready? <laughs> All right, next slide, next slide. <laughs> Think Disney princess songs. Let it go, let it go. Here we go, Martha Q. <laughs> you just let go, yeah, here we go, yeah. Let go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you better push that bell away from you. That ain't going to help you. Um, we... we took a look at, okay, what are the things that, that hold us up from actually following Jesus? What are the things maybe that, that hinder us that we say, yeah, I might follow Jesus except for, uh, I'm not sure. If I follow Jesus, does that mean I'm unintellectual? Does that mean I'm just kind of ignorant and just following things? Or if I follow Jesus, does that mean I have to be some sort of uh, Mother Teresa and give everything I have away, give all my materialism away? And so we took a look at that and said, okay, why is it that, that we choose to follow him? And what is it that keeps us from following him? All right, we're getting better here. Here we go. Next slide. Here we go. I am a bridge. Yeah, there we go. 
this, we were cycling back to the idea of breaking the mold and just that kind of used a different thing that the expression that I am a bridge. In other words, that, that God has called us as a church, as individuals to be bridges out into our community to connect people with the story of him, to pray for our friends, to invite our friends, to engage our friends. So that was that campaign. We're getting closer to the present. This should be, this should be easier here. All right, here we go. Next slide. Come on, get some competitiveness here. Life on the outside, right? Yeah, there we go. Uh, this was a study uh, through the book of Galatians. And basically what we were saying is, if the good news of the gospel really is that great, what does it mean for us? And we, we talked about how our lives are really, we're slaves to sin, that we're trapped. It's like we're in prison. And, and what could life look like if we fully accept this good news, the story of Jesus? So we called it life on the outside. All right, next one. Here we go. This is the final one. This is kind of, you guys got this right now. Extravaganza. I like that one better. You are so invited to our next sermon planning meetings. Extravagant. Yeah, we'll call that close enough. Uh, Good, extravagant. And this was, uh, oh, I wrote it wrong. You were right. She was right, sorry. Uh, This was kind of our Christmas series and really looking at what was the gift that Jesus gave us and how extravagant was this gift. The fact that that God himself gave us his own life. Um, I have no idea here what the the kind of total is, but we're going to make this one be the grand finale. And just so you guys know, the winner of this gets a free membership to our Bridges Sermon podcast. (laughs) <laughs> which is already free, but uh, you probably need it. All right, so this is super easy. Even you can do this, Ted. I, I believe in you. All right, name any, any title of any sermon we've done in the last year. Good job, you guys. Thank you. Thank you. The reality of it is I'm not even sure I could come up with a title of a sermon, and I preach some of them. Um, So the point of this is not some uh, campaign that we've done, right? The, The point of everything that we've done this year is not so that we remember some sermon title or that we remember the name of some sermon series that a bunch of us pastors came up with in a back office somewhere, right? The, the point of this was that our lives are changed, that we become a church that is so passionate about our relationship with Jesus that we can't help but telling each other about it, that it becomes the conversations of our lives. It's not just something we talk about in the confines of this church, but it's that something we talk about in every circle that we run around with. And, and that's what Breaking the Mold has been all about. And as we come to the end of this, my heart and my prayer is that this has affected our lifestyle, 
that as this campaign comes to an end, we don't kind of check that box off and go, cool, what are we doing next year? I'm good with that. But that this becomes this, this ongoing thing that happens in our life over and over again. And maybe five or six years from now, we'll have to return back to it because it slipped and we've kind of lost it. But, but that this has a deep effect on who we are and how we talk about this relationship with Jesus that we have that is so important to us. So this next year, we're going we're gonna to start another campaign. This year was really about our commitments, you know, our commitment to Jesus, that, that breaking the mold, that most important commitment, and that's to follow Jesus. But next year, we're going to turn the page a little bit, and we're going to take a deep dive into our, our soul. We're going to call it Made New. And it's the idea of being renewed, of being transformed, of all the brokenness in our lives, and, and taking a look at that, kind of taking a magnifying glass to our lives and allowing God to transform those areas. Just like this year, it's not going to be about a campaign. It's not about a bunch of sermon titles or clever things that we do with graphics on stage, but it, it's really an opportunity for you and I to take a look at our lives and to say, God, I'm broken. You know that. I know that. My spouse definitely knows that. And I need you to make me new. And so we're going to have a sermon series that get at that. We're going to dive into different specific aspects of sin that are so common in all of our lives. And we're going we're gonna to be made new through this process, or at least that's, that's our prayer. So this morning, to kind of get us thinking about that, I'd like us to look at the life of Hezekiah. Now, Hezekiah was a king, and uh, Hezekiah had a pretty rough job, right? For generations— the kings that, that preceded Hezekiah led the nation further and further away from God. In fact, Hezekiah's dad, Ahaz, was a pretty, pretty nasty dude. In fact, Ahaz took the nation so far away from God that, that I would be willing to bet most people felt very little connection to the God of their ancestors, the God of the Bible. It says that Ahaz, one of the things he did is he went through the temple and he raided the temple and he took all the different pieces out of the temple and he used them to worship other gods, the local gods of the area. Anytime he wasn't a very strong or the nation wasn't very strong militarily at this time. And so every time they went to battle, they typically were losing their battles and they would go to battle and they would lose this battle and say they lost to this certain tribe or this certain people. One of the things Ahaz would do is go, well, who are they worshiping? Who's their God? Okay, maybe I'll adapt that God as part of our little God group. And, and it said, and this is pretty amazing, that throughout the, the country of Judea, the, the part, southern part of Israel there, that every hill and every green tree, Ahaz went and made a shrine and a sacrifice to various gods. This dude was, was paranoid about worshiping as many gods as possible to bring him kind of good luck. And on top of that, there the nation is surrounded by the Assyrian army, an army that had just a terrible reputation for being brutal and fierce. And they had been picking off tribes and cities all around this small struggling nation. And this is where Hezekiah comes to leadership. And what I think is so amazing about Hezekiah is Hezekiah, he totally turns the, the tide for where things are going. And he puts the focus back on God. And he brings about this renewal in the life of, of the nation. So let's go ahead. If you want to open your Bibles, it's uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 29. 
2 Chronicles 29. And if you have one of the pewback Bibles there, that would be page 380. We're going to start on verse 3. Give you guys a second to get there. It says this, In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. He brought in the priests and the Levites, and he assembled them in the square on the east. And he said to them, Hear me, Levites. Now consecrate yourself and consecrate the house of the Lord, the God of your father, and carry out all the filth from this holy place. For our fathers have been unfaithful and have done what was evil in the sight of the Lord our God. They have forsaken him and they have turned their faces from the um, habitation of the Lord and they have turned their back. They have also shut the doors of the vestibules and they have put out the lamps and they have not burned incense or burnt offering in the holy place to the God of Israel. Therefore, the wrath of the Lord came on Judea and Jerusalem, and he has made them an object of of horror and astonishment and of hissing, as you see with your own eyes. For behold, our fathers have fallen by the swords, and our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity for this. Now it is my heart to make a covenant with the Lord, the God of Israel, in order that his fierce anger may be turned away from us. My sons, do not... Now be negligent, for the Lord has chosen you to stand in his presence, to minister to him, and to be his ministers, and to make an offering to him. So Hezekiah, the very first thing he does is he puts the focus back on the relationship with God. This is kind of amazing to me because at the time, the nation has all these stressors, all these different factors that are pushing on them, right? There's this major military threat. And if it was me, I think I would first start with maybe building up my military, right? And I would imagine there was also some major financial issues. And so maybe my first thought might be to, to respond with an, ep- an economic kind of reform. But Hezekiah realizes that the most important thing is to restore the relationship with God. And so he starts with restoring the temple. Now, it's important for us to realize that uh, for this, at this time, the temple was the center for all religious and spiritual activities for this nation. That there was no relationship with God outside the temple. So the fact that he comes into the temple and he restores the temple is crucially important because that is restoring the relationship with God. See, we are so fortunate. We are now in a time where Jesus has come. He's our sacrifice. We no longer need to go to a temple. We no longer need to make sacrifices. In fact, the Bible says that our lives are the temple, that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So when we think about how to apply this, we shouldn't think of it like as a church, right? The goal of today's message is not thinking about how we need to remodel our church, but it's how God wants to bring restoration to our lives. And that's what we see going on in Hezekiah. And so um, that's what I want us to look at, is what does Hezekiah do here to bring about restoration in the temple? And the first thing that we see him do is he starts with a covenant, with a commitment, right? Count your, your commitments is kind of the first point. He calls all the priests back to the temple. Now, the priests, for generations, the temple has not been used. And uh, so the way it worked is one-twelfth of the people, the Levites, were set aside for religious activities. Their job was to work in the temple. Now, if for generations the temple hasn't been in service, they've been unemployed for generations. So I would imagine a lot of these people have gone and they've found other work, right? Maybe working out in the field or maybe they've become priests and 
to other gods, other religions in the area. And so Hezekiah calls these back. And this was probably a, a pretty challenging thing. These people probably were a little bit suspicious, maybe, of what Hezekiah was doing. And he says, listen, guys, we've got a problem. We've turned our back on God. The very wrath of God is against us. We need to be made right with God. So let's come today. Let's make a commitment. Let's make a covenant before God that we are going to make this right, that we are going to be renewed. We are going to be transformed. See, part of this is repentance. It's him realizing that they were broken, that they weren't good enough. Pastor Ron is going to hit this more next week. And I think the very heart of being made new starts with repentance. It starts with us saying, I'm not good enough. I need you to fix this part of my life, God. If you guys know me very well, you probably know that one of the the things that's broken in my life sometimes is I tend to uh, like to, I, I tend to like to kind of have fun and make jokes. And, and sometimes I can take those things too far, right? And, and maybe if you've been around me, you've kind of seen this happen. I can be laughing and having fun with somebody and I take it a little far. And what I say is actually a little bit biting or a little bit mean, or I, I kind of tear people down. And it's easy for me to justify this, right? I can kind of go, well, that's just fun. I'm just, just screwing around. It's no big deal. And Tony knows this firsthand. We both struggle with this, right? And part of repentance, part of being made new in this area of my life, if I want God to transform this part of my life, I've got to start with going, yeah, I don't want that anymore. That's not right. That's sin. It's, it's not helpful. It's one thing to make jokes and to have fun with somebody, but if I'm tearing somebody down, that's outside of God's plan for my life. And it starts with repentance. And that's exactly what Hezekiah is doing here. He's saying, look at guys, for generations, we have been a nation that is broken. This doesn't work anymore. We need to be made right with God. So he gathers them together and he says, let's make an oath. Let's make a covenant. And this was like a legal binding contract for them. Let's make ourselves right with God. See, I think our commitments are so important for our spiritual life because all things start with these commitments. I mean, think back to the time. For for many of us, we can remember back to the time that we committed to following Jesus, right? Maybe it was a prayer that you said, a time you said, Jesus, okay, I can't do this on my own. I want to follow you. I commit my life to you. Maybe you came down at a church service like this and you made that commitment. And I don't think that that's so much about the way God views us is the, what we need for our own life. I don't think God's up there in heaven going, okay, James, say that prayer, say that prayer. Good, check, you can come up into heaven, good. All right, Pastor Fred, come on down. Okay, you've made it to the front. Now, okay, God knows our heart. God knows the transformation of our heart. But there's something that happens when we make that commitment. It gives us that point in our spiritual timeline where we can look back to and we can say, no, I'm a follower of Jesus. I remember on that date when I said that prayer that I committed my life to him. These commitments are crucial, they're important, whether it's our marriage, whether it's baptism, whether it's a time that you say, okay, I'm gonna commit to to doing this. See, I've got this uh, house we've lived in for nine years and we're in the process now of putting it on the market. We're gonna move up here to Fremont. And for nine years, I've been in the process of looking at these different things and saying, okay, someday I'm gonna fix those cabinets. The cabinets are kind of broken, I need to fix that. Someday I'm going to fix that fence. That fence looks bad. I need to fix that fence. Someday I'm going to fix that step. That step creaks a little bit. But when I say someday, what I really mean is I have no intention of actually doing that. Uh, But it's a good idea. I should do it someday. 
And I think sometimes we do that in our spiritual life, right? We say, someday, I'm going to work on this, this issue I got with tearing people down. Someday, I'm going to be more loving to my kids. Someday, I'm going to quit looking at pornography. Someday, I'm going to quit cheating my boss at work. Someday, I'm going to do this. Someday, I'm going to do that. Well, part of this campaign, part of this year is we're saying, well, that someday is now. And so maybe in this new year, maybe now is the time to make that commitment saying, okay, God, I want to be made new in 2015. I want to come to you. I repent. I know I'm broken. I know I need your restoration in my life. Make me new. So, but Hezekiah doesn't just stop at that, right? He doesn't just say, let's make a covenant. Oh, good. We all made commitments. Okay, go do your own thing, right? He actually goes through the hard work of cleaning the temple. And starting in verse 15, so there's actually kind of a smaller group now of religious leaders, of the Levites that stick around. And they go through the process. He says, they gathered the brothers and they consecrated themselves or made themselves holy, made themselves clean. And they went in as the king had commanded by the word of the Lord to clean the house of the Lord. The priests went into the inner part of the, Lord, um, of the house of the Lord to clean it. And they brought out all the uncleanliness they found in the temple of the Lord into the court of the house of the Lord. And the Levites took it and carried it out to the brook of Kidron. And they began to consecrate on the first day and of the first month. And on the eighth day of the month, they came to the vestibule of the Lord. Uh, then for eight days, they consecrated the house of the Lord. And on the 16th day of the first month, they were finished. And they went in to Hezekiah the king and said, We have cleansed all of the house of the Lord and the altar of the burnt offerings and all its utensils and the table for the showbread and all its utensils and all the utensils that King Ahaz discarded in the rain that when he was faithless. We have made ready and consecrated, and behold, there before the altar of the Lord. Then Hezekiah uh, the king rose early and went and gathered the officials of the city and went to the house of the Lord. And they brought seven bulls and seven rams and seven lambs and seven male goats for a sin offering for the kingdom and for the sanctuary and for Judah. And he commanded the priests and the sons of Aaron to offer them on the altar of the Lord. See, one of the things that's amazing to me here is just the haste, how quickly these people worked. It said 16 days later, they were done. They'd gone through and they'd cleansed out the entire place. Now, keep in mind that probably for generations, nobody had really given much care to this temple. There was a lot of work to be done. In fact, most of these priests probably didn't even know what things were supposed to look like inside the temple. It says they took the word of the Lord or the, the law, the first several books of the Bible, and they took that, and they started kind of walking through the temple, and they went, oh, wait, wait, wait. Well, that table, that's for, that's for these things. That's for the showbread. We better, we better clean that up. We got to consecrate that. And, oh, okay, over here, this is what needs to be done. And they piece by piece went through the house of the Lord, making things right. See, that's part of what cleaning our temple. Remember, our temple is our lives. It's going through piece by piece. It's applying the word of God to our life and saying, God, show me where I'm broken. Show me where I need restoration. See, being made new is not just a process of us being better people. It's not just some sort of self-evaluation and checking off boxes and going, okay, yeah, I need to do this and that. It's this, this process of allowing God to shine his light into our life, shine his light into the broken places of our life and being made new. And I think one of the, the beautiful things about this, a beautiful reminder of this, is that this is not just something we can do on our own. 
part of cleaning the temple was actually Hezekiah making these offerings, these sin offerings, the seven bulls and seven male goats and all these things. And what he was doing in that was he was showing that, okay, we can cleanse this. We can sweep and we can mop and we can do all these things. But without God, we are lost. See, that's the reality of our life. I think we can clean up aspects of our lives, right? We can go in and maybe we can stop cheating. Maybe we can stop beating our spouses. Maybe we can stop doing bad things. But unless God brings about transformation in our life, it's not going to be fulfilled. It's not going to be full for what God wants to do in our life. And that's what Hezekiah is showing us. So that's the goal for this year. It's going through piece by piece and allowing God to illuminate different things. And we're going to have different sermon series that, that highlight different things that, that typically are broken in our lives and pointing us back to godliness. And I think we're going to uncover some, some nastiness in some of our lives. Going back to our house, one of the things we were doing, kind of cleaning, getting it ready to sell, and we were moving couches and bookcases around and things like that. And one night, Becca was vacuuming, and all of a sudden, this dust ball shoots out of our vacuum, right? And Becca starts screaming. I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? And I, I look in this dust ball, and there's this dehydrated salamander that had crawled under our couch, I guess, and had died and probably for years, we had this lizard, like, just dead underneath the couch where we watched TV. And you know what? It didn't bother me in the least. I kind of liked having a little Sally down there on the floor or whatever, you know. But I think that's the reality in my life. I know it is. I feel pretty good about my life. I think I'm a pretty good person. I imagine most of you guys, most of the time, feel like you're pretty good people. But when we really look at our lives, we got dead animals, <laughs> dead skeletons in the closets of our life. And one of my prayers this, this year is that God opens up our lives, pulls out those skeletons, and shows us a life that's renewed, a life that's made new. And, and I think the most beautiful thing about this passage is, is once the temple is renewed, once things are made new, worship breaks out. Look at this in verse 25 says, and he stationed the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals and harps and lyres according to the commandments of David and of Gad, the king's seer, and of Nathan, the prophet. For the commandment was from the Lord through his prophets. The Levites stood with instruments of David and the priests with the trumpets. Then Hezekiah commanded that the burnt offerings be offered on the altar. And when the burnt offerings began, the song of the Lord began also, and the trumpets accompanied by the instruments of David, the king of Israel. And the whole assembly worshipped, and the singer sang, and the trumpet sounded, and all this continued until the burnt offering was finished. When the offering was finished, the king and all who were present with him bowed themselves and worshipped. See, what we see here is we see both the commandment to come and worship, that they were doing this. They were looking at, at the pattern set forth by their ancestor, by David. So, okay, guys, now I think we need to come and worship in this house. And as they were worshiping, I think this spontaneous joy, it says the whole assembly came and they were worshiping together and they were bowing down before God. See, ultimately, the goal of this campaign, this being made new, is not so that we can sit back and say, look at how good of people we are. Man, I'm better. I'm, I'm good. I got this figured out. Ultimately, it's so that we can come before God and we can worship and we can experience the joy of having a clean life, a, a, a life that is pleasing and honorable to God. And we can say, okay, God, I worship you. Because ultimately, this is your work in my life, not mine. So that's the campaign we're going to launch into next year. 
And I think it's going to be really exciting. And maybe even today, as you're thinking maybe about your New Year's resolution, maybe it's a time that, that you kind of process, okay, God, I want you to make me new. In a couple of minutes, we're going to take part in communion. And communion is a beautiful reminder of what Jesus has done. See, for Hezekiah, they needed to come to the temple. They needed to offer sacrifices. But we don't need to do that anymore because Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice for our sin. The Bible teaches that, that all of our sins were put on Jesus on the cross, that he died for each and every one of our sins, and that he rose again, that he conquered sin. And when we take communion, we are remembering his sacrifice. We are remembering the work he did for us. So as we take a moment, maybe we just pause and be grateful for that sacrifice. Maybe it's a time to reflect on just some brokenness in our life and saying, Jesus, I want you to, to cleanse this, to make this new. And then in a couple minutes, the, um, the ushers will come down and they'll, they'll give out the communion elements. So let's just take some moment of just kind of silence and, and reflection. Thanks so much for listening to the Bridges Podcast. Check out Bridges Community Church website at bridgescc.org for more information.